Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Atomic Weight of Cheese with your hosts, Mike Bakovin, Chad Planbeck, and Stephanie Romanski. Yeah, how come Godzilla's the bad guy? <laughs> Here's the thing. I think that's a product of the of the trailer. Okay. I think they gotta set it up like a fight, and then they're gonna join forces and punch a robot. Well, see, I think so too, because they say one will fall, but they do not designate who will fall. Yeah. We just automatically presume it's going to be the the the, the, the main card in the title bout. And it's like, yeah. ah, but again, it's probably gonna be Mecha King Ghidorah. Probably. Yeah. Well, so are you like disappointed that Godzilla's the villain? Because I thought you would be fa- a fan that Kong's the good guy. <laughs> Isaiah, why can't they team up and fight crime? Yeah, yeah. This would be like True Detective season five. <laughs> The Hokkaido Blues. Come on, dude. I could see the opening, you know, it's like... Uh, They're packing mazers for guns, you know? <laughs> They're showing up in their rumpled suits. Yeah. And we have flashbacks to, you know, their first fight. And it's like, oh, remember when we were young and silly? And now it's like... I remember, I, yeah, you, you took my tooth out, remember? Anyway. Yeah. I like that they gave Kong a fighting chance, but like... Did he develop a technology that allows him to not explode when a nuclear bomb goes off? <laughs> then, yeah, he doesn't have much going on. <laughs> Kong doesn't have much but of a rem- shot. You remember, Mike, you know, <laughs> Godzilla has a brain of a marble, while Kong is a thinking animal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever you do, don't go to Kaido! I, re- I re-watched uh, Kong Skull Island and really did kind of like it. Oh, I like that movie a lot. Yeah. I liked like... that a lot more than I ever thought would be possible. Mm-hmm. But I did. I really dug it. That so. movie was just goofy and full of creatures, and they characterized Kong in a way that wasn't arduous, and, and it was just great. Shane Wiggins' death is so brilliant. Which one's Shane Wiggins? Where he's going to do the big hero thing, where he pops all the yeah. these grenades, and it's like, you know, what's, he's gonna, he thinks he's going to get eaten, and he said he gets tail splatted into yeah. the cliff, <laughs> and then he explodes. <laughs> that oh, was pretty God. good. So. I like that, and I like the the helico- Kong just having his way with helicopters for like yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty good. Yeah. So, well, oh, all right. So, welcome to the Atomic Way to Tease, where real life is called cinema, called cinema's real life. I'm Mike. And Steph. Where the hell have you guys been? Yeah, where have we been? Uh, uh. Steph, Steph is, we, we are uh, trying out some new equipment. Steph, uh, uh, we're recording from how far away are you? You're like 1,500 miles, 2,000 miles? 1,500 miles, yeah. I'm, okay. Yeah, up at the tippy tippy top of Massachusetts. And I'd podcast 1,500 <laughs> miles. And... I like our uh, our uh, realization a couple hours ago, and it's like, is it 2 o'clock central or 2 o'clock <laughs> eastern? It's like, oh, yeah, I saw like that. I suck at that so bad. I didn't think of that either. On Friday, I had a, an appointment on uh, like at, at, I think it was six o'clock Pacific and I tuned in seven o'clock central. It's like, nope, not now. <laughs> <laughs> Time is hard. Uh, is I suck at that so much. Time is a construct. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it's going to take a long time to get used to Eastern time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, um, what are we talking about today? We should have talked about that before we hit the, hit the well, play I, button. Well, I wasn't sure. <laughs> I would come up with a fun transition if I knew what we were transitioning to. We plan these. We really do. Yeah, yeah we really do. Remember Lots that Google research. Doc we started when we started doing this? Not all those ideas on it and then oh, didn't yeah. use any of them. <laughs> all right so maybe steph can do some editing but we'll throw something out <laughs> well, well you had some ideas on the pose and then the i said yeah i thought because i like i thought steph you had that idea about what scene you would bring boom there we go that was it okay, okay. so uh <laughs> 
let's try a transition. This okay. will be great. Steph, read. Do you do you have what you do? You remember what you posted? No, no, I remember the concept. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, we we've got this new setup. We've got and some stuff. fade back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. Three, two, one. So we we we've, <laughs> we've got this new setup. We're we're trying out some different things. One could even say we had to learn how to do this. <laughs> And Maybe, we're, still, we're still learning. And we're still learning. Maybe look up some stuff and figure out exactly how this is going on. This is two male ends, and I needed two female ends <laughs> to make the mic work. Oh, so, no. Anyway, okay. So we're, we're uh, landing on the topic of. Things that we would like to, uh, uh, maybe if we were sitting in a classroom, things we would have liked to learn about, or th more accurately, things we would like to talk about if we had like a room full of people. Or Have you ever heard of the, these things called um, uh, PowerPoint parties? No. It's we're, we're actually doing it at the museum I work for. The basic gist is that you get like 10 people in a room and each of them get eight to 10 minutes to put together a PowerPoint and talk about something they find specifically interesting. So it's like you get 10 minutes to talk about like we were going around like what would you talk about it's like I would talk about Dan O'Bannon and okay. how how the alien chestburster came from his uh fight with stomach cancer. You know it's okay. like that, that would be my I could talk 8 to 10 minutes about that you know okay. but but um I think the concept Steph put forth is what would you want to teach to a class or what would you want to bring to a PowerPoint party what would you want to throw out there and just like let's you know, let's do the surface level and then let's do the really dig deep one, right? We could do, we could do two things that we, we could uh, uh, talk about if we can pull that off. What do you think? Okay. Cool. You first. <laughs> well, so, okay. So let's talk surface level. That's uh, something that you could talk maybe off the top of your head for eight to 10 minutes about. And so I jumped, I jumped to Dan O'Bannon, right? Okay. okay. So here, here's my quick pitch. I'm going to go my, like my two minute Dan O'Bannon pitch that you could expand into eight to 10 minutes. Okay. So, uh, aside, for, so Dan O'Bannon, two remarkable things. One of them is in his student film he did with John Carpenter, yeah. which was called Dark Star. Dark Star. He ran smack into what was known as the monster problem. And the monster problem is up until that point, they had never really, like film had never really created a monster that lived up to the hype that they, that they could build around a monster, right? So in Dark Star, one That's of the- Debatable, but I understand. Yeah, yeah, one of the creatures was literally a beach ball with monster feet. Yep. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I think, like, I think uh let's uh quantify that monsters on that budget mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you have do have some iconic monsters king kong frankenstein's right, monster right. godzilla etc 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 right but I for the budget right. they have for what they were doing it's like how do we pull this off and it's like well we can't do this so let's go ridiculous instead right right and so, so. you run into a lot more ridiculous stuff than mm -hmm. you do you know and that also gave birth to like the atomic age of stuff giant ants giant sure. you know yep. yeah right yep. that that same sort of problem yep. and so O'Bannon, aside from uh, writing and directing, probably one of my top five favorite movies of all time, which is Return of the Living Dead. I just absolutely adore that movie and everything that's about it. He um, helped solve the monster problem as it stands by creating, uh, or he didn't design the alien, but he came up with the idea of the chestburster when he wrote the original alien. And then, of course, they coupled that with... Uh, um, crazy Nazi guys art like an uh, JJ uh, oh, HR Giger. Giger. Yeah. 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 And his art. And they were able to, for the first time in alien create a horror movie where the creature was actually that kind of thing that would, that would take audiences and just scare them to death. And it always brings me back to that photo. If I were doing a PowerPoint, I would do that photo of the chestburster scene and that someone took a picture of the audience. Have you seen this photo? Mm -mm. Oh, it's the best. I need to pull it up okay. because it's probably eight people. 
and seven like six of them are absolutely recoiling in horror one of them is like covering her eyes and then there's a guy in the back just going (laughs) (laughs) it's the best photo and and everyone's dressed in the late 70s garb it's the best and so there's also um uh like a aftermath screenshot photo of the of the actors and the crew of the Nostromo Mm -hmm. where they're all just kind of like what the fuck just happened? Because they it, Ridley Scott in his infinite wisdom didn't tell them. Didn't tell them what was coming. Yeah. And so it was a surprise. <laughs> We're going to splatter you with blood now. And like, what? <laughs> What's so. the old Alfred Hitchcock uh, uh, quote where actors, I, I was quoted as saying actors should be, uh, should be cattle. That's a misquote. I actually said they should be treated like cattle. <laughs> <laughs> That sort of thing. But yeah, I would go into Dan O'Bannon, his his horrific stomach cancer that he fought for like five or ten years, giving birth to the chestburster, one of the greatest movie monsters that has ever existed. So that would be my surface level one. Okay. okay. And then maybe we can go around second time around and dive into like a deeper, deeper level thing. But Chad, do you have like a, a surface level thing you could talk for eight to ten minutes on off the top of your head? Um Steph, do you have a <laughs> I can go. I can go. Okay, go. Okay, I would kind of approach it differently depending on like how I would be teaching this. But um, I would want to do the um, church massacre scene from the Kingsman uh, movie. Um, You know, where Colin Firth becomes the badass like unexpectedly. Yeah. In my view, because I'm used to Pride and Prejudice jumping into a pond in a wet shirt, Colin Firth, you know, (laughs) Slooney. Uh, Emily Dickinson, you know, the whole, the whole period movie thing that he does and and to see him, (laughs) to see him utter the words, I'm a Catholic whore currently enjoying Congress out of wedlock with my black Jewish boyfriend (laughs) who works at a military abortion clinic. So hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon, madam. (laughs) Cracked me the fuck up. And I. And then proceed to single-handedly kill the West Bay Baptist Church. He killed everybody. Yeah. But it would be interesting to have a class talk about the um, ramifications of that scene, um, religious ramifications, like it, did it go too far? Did it cross a line? Um, uh, that sort of thing. You could also do a theater or a movie style class as to where are the cuts. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause they try to make it one cut, but there were like six or seven definite there's, CG there's a lot cuts. Of cuts. They had to find yeah. the joints in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was filmed over like seven days or something like that. And that long? A lot of extras, a lot of stunts. Yeah, I just looked it up. Crazy. Okay, cool. The thing that drives me nuts about that movie is, who's the director of that movie? Matthew Matthew Vaughn? I think that's right, yeah. Yep. Is, like, that guy is always just dancing on the line for me and oftentimes falls on the other side of it. You know, and that line being, he, he, look how naughty I am. Yeah. Yeah, because there's oh, like yeah, the there's hot two, stuff yeah, at the end. Two yeah, scenes at the end of in, in both both Kingsman movies where it's like, oh, dude, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah, or even like uh, a Kickass that he did. Okay, it's sure. like that movie I enjoyed by and large, but there are a couple scenes where you're like, come on, you yeah. know, you, you don't you, yeah. you don't need to do that. And then of course he directed my favorite X Men movie, which did not have any of that stuff. Yeah. So I mean, he he can be extraordinarily competent and good and fun, but ugh, does he have? Uh, dude, grow up a little bit. Yeah. Grow up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I have one. All right. Okay. What do you got? Um, this kind of uh, stems from a conversation I was having on Facebook the other day. And unfortunately, I can't remember the movie, but I have other examples of this. So I'm going to say uh, there's a film called Super Dark Times. It's I've fairly recent. This. It's fairly recent, and it's really good. It's like a case study in 
and these high school kids who accidentally kill somebody and they try to cover it up and it's right. just like escalating paranoia and everything. And to me, the movie feels too long. And it's like, okay, so we need to cut something. And it's like, I'm damned if I can tell you what to cut. Huh. And so that's the question. Is this a good thing to have or is this a bad thing to have? You know, it's so good, but it still feels long. <laughs> and so it's like, and then or do you, do you bite the bullet and cut something? Huh. And then you wonder if that's our attention spans too. Right. You know? Right. Because I find myself doing this a lot and it's kind of annoying me where I'll be watching some... I don't know, not necessarily like a means like some shitty direct video horror film where it's going, going, going. And like, I'll watch the first 10 minutes and you get to the middle. It's like, I'll screw this and see how it ends. I'll just fast forward <laughs> to the end, you know, and I find myself doing this more and more and more and I don't like it. Do, do you know what I think that might be a symptom of? Cause I've thought of this too. How long have you been watching movies? A, a long, long time, time, right? Yeah. And at some point it's like, you know, it, the, the element of surprise is gone. Yeah. And what you're watching it for is how they do it, right? Okay, yeah. It's like, I, I remember my wife and I both have this thing where when we're sitting and watching a movie, we watched Pixar's Soul the other day, which was really oh, okay. good. Yeah, I know. I haven't seen that. And while we were watching it, she mentions, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's like, that, that's, that's the a, best thing. Yeah, that's the best feeling when you're watching this. Like, I have no idea where this story yep. is going. I love it when it outguesses me and things like that. And that's mm -hmm. wonderful. It's really weird because it's like, Again, it's like I'm not bored with it or anything. It's just I get to the point, like you said, you just feel like you're satiated and I don't want to eat anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so it's like I don't, it's like trying to find something to watch anymore is just like damn near impossible. So you just try to latch on to something. I got something for you. We'll okay. get to our recommendations. Okay, anyway. okay. sounds good. So. Cool. So what to cut and how to cut it. What to cut and how to cut it. Because as I said, the, the movie's really good. And, you know, you get to any more. It's like uh, movies are either, you know, a buck and a half. Yeah. Or they're three hours long, mm -hmm. you know, and some of these is like, you know, that doesn't need to be. But again, like you're watching, this, I couldn't tell you what to cut, you know, and mm -hmm. so is that a good problem to have or a bad problem to have? And oftentimes just from a structure standpoint, when you cut something, then half, then, then like stuff starts to fall apart, you know, right. like from the rest right. of the narrative. So yeah. it's like, oh shit, we didn't say this. There's we like need to go back and yeah. Too many linchpin moments. Like you pull the whole thing, just oh shit. And then you got a big jumbled mess of nothing. So yeah. I don't know. I just found that interesting. I've been dabbling in screenplays lately and uh, Steph read one of them. And the other day oh. I got to the end of a screenplay and was, and thought this would be awesome if I had a, uh, if I had a golf cart in this scene. And then I thought, wait, I'm the writer. I can go back and establish a golf cart. <laughs> and I did. And it was like magic. It was amazing. It's like, man, I wish the writer would have established a golf. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was another thing that, uh, that I found, um, okay, this is, you know, a lot of times when movies go bad, you blame the script right. and the script writer. Mm -hmm. And I was watching a, a video clip on Harlan Ellison, or Harlan Ellison was speaking. Right. And, and, and so, and he was talking about how his scripts get, you know, uh, bastardized and they change everything. So it's like, is it fair to blame a script writer in a film? Because who the hell knows how many punch-ups it's gone through or yep. what they've what they compromises they made during the filming and everything. And what's what, right. What the, the higher ups. Right. Want. And I started yeah. feeling really bad. So like, I kind of wanted to start going back in all my old reviews where I was like blaming everything on the script. And it's like, I want to change that to the script as filmed, mm -hmm. you know, because <laughs> it's not necessarily, the, it's thought. not necessarily the writer's fault because I guess you could almost say the same thing for directors because it could be budgetary limitations. You could have an asshole in the lead 
You know, yep. it's like, what, yep. where do you, how do you deal with that? I, I am working my way. You mentioned that I'm working my way through Star Trek Discovery right now. Okay. And it's um, Howard Kurtzman. Is that the dude? Who, Alex Kurtzman. Alex Kurtzman, right. Yeah. And I remember someone telling me once that Alex Kurtzman's, Kurt, Kurtzman's skill is that he can talk to uh, talk to a studio suit and tell them what they want to hear and give them enough to where they feel like they've gotten what they want and then give the audience it's like and what you end up with is always like this middle ground but he's like exceptional at middle ground right that's okay. that's the the thing and that doesn't make good art but it makes it makes things that otherwise wouldn't happen happen okay right so i i, th I thought that was an interesting take on that anyway well yeah it's always been common lowest common denominator yeah, are, are uh, you know trying to appeal to the broadest masses possible mm -hmm. for the you know, for the biggest box office thing? You know, like some people, I know people realize that, or not enough people realize sometimes that you know this is about making money, not necessarily making art. You yeah, know? and yeah. so, and then those ones where they're able to do both is just like amazing. Well, yeah, it's amazing. one of these things too, and it's like you used to make the garbage to finance the art, and you know they really don't do that anymore. Mm -mm. You know, because it's just like I said, there's just been a fundamental change in the in the way films are made. Yeah, but you know, who's, okay, whose fault is that? I don't know. Yeah. So, well, there was there was mine, and there you go. There you go. All right, so let's take a little bit deeper dive. So, Steph's original concept was if you would teach like a class on something, right? Was that yep. the original concept, yep. Steph? Yeah, you're like, teaching a scene. Yeah, like to, if you pick your favorite scene and take it to a class and break it down. That's right. that's the way I understood. It. Cool. Okay, so I've got mine. Okay, I go yep. first. Okay, I would do uh, the first. Uh, the first chase sequence from Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. Okay. And the reason I would do that, even though I remember reading a review when it came out is uh, in the first, uh, I think 25 minutes of Mad Max Fury Road, uh, the director gives me one of the, uh, gives me one of the best action sequences I've ever seen. And then 45 minutes later, he tops it. And I agree with that. You know, I, I think the, the final action sequence is probably better blow for blow, but um George Miller, uh, that, that first one was just like so new and, and you were discovering stuff about the world as stuff was blowing up. And I love that it's a study in action as character. It's a study in action as plot. It's a study in action as mood and tone and every, you know, basically cinema, right? Is what I'm getting at is the idea one, of cinema. Yeah, one thing yeah. that I always related to George Miller is momentum. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the idea that, that that whole thing never stops never until stops. it stops hard, or, right? Or it just keeps accelerating, you mm -hmm. know, and that's, yeah, that's what it is. is um, things are going uh, crazy. Yeah. Screen, yeah. yeah, things are going crazy. People on poles, uh, you know, the Doof Warrior and his, his thing, yeah. and then they drive into the middle of a standstorm and all that. And I would love to break down, like, okay, the, the thing that I would love to talk to a class about about that thing is what is your brain absorbing that you aren't consciously absorbing yeah. while you watch this, right? Well, so I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. You, no, it's, it's just great because like you have all these mini crises within the separate cars mm -hmm. wrapped up in this chasing. Yeah, you know, and he just makes it go, and and it keeps it where you can follow it, mm -hmm. and you know what's happening, and it's not edited with a chainsaw, and I yep. think it's wonderful. So it's, go ahead. it's in time, yeah, exactly. Which which I, <coughs> in a place and in a time. Uh, my other thought was, okay, let's look at the Doof Warrior for a second. On one level, this it, is the guitar guy. Yeah, right? the, the guitar okay. guy. Yeah. Right, yep. So on one level, it's a guitar guy shooting fire out the end of his guitar, and it's cool. It's a oh look at that image, that's awesome. And then you're like, okay, well why is he here? 
what what the hell is he doing up there? <laughs> you know, right. why? and then you think, oh, wait, is he blind? What's that mean? And so you then you you're just peeling the onion for like half an hour at that point. It's like, <laughs> so is this a is this a thing where it's like he this is how he contributes in this world? Is it part of the propaganda machine that uh, Immortan Joe has up and running in order to make this war machine run? Is it is he actually driving the thing? Is there a technological thing or is it just like? Uh, you know, are the drums part, you know, you could just go and go and go and go and go. And I would love, that would be a really fun yeah. 45 to 90 well, minutes. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you always see this now with, uh, like with the army or whatever, whenever they're laying sieges, they always like play music. Yeah. Really I know loud. that's nuts. I think, I think that's a thing. I think it's a psychological, uh, a psychological advantage. Cause you, you just hear like this, this distant doom of, Mm-hmm. whatever you know and it's like so yeah i think it's to, to to screw with your prey or whatever so yeah i'm sure that maybe that has something to do with it and just kind of e- sort of evolved from blasting we're not going to take it to <laughs> to the to, to the guitar do you know i yeah, yeah it's just maybe it's a straight line yeah there's yeah. propaganda discussions there's uh, uh military discussions and then you could do a whole subsection on why Charlize theron is one of the best actors who have who, you know working yeah. today i mean j- damn that she's so good you know tom hardy's nothing to sneeze at either but she does so much with so little in that in in that chase sequence i would in, love to break that in down. my understanding like if you hear people like talking about her how she can just snap in snap out of character Mm-mm. so fast it's like she's herself showtime bam she's like she's just like on a on a dime she can like get into character she's not one of those jared leto uh, right and uh, not a, yeah it's like process acting. people yeah acting is acting not yeah not the not the method Steph, do you want to tell your story about how you learned uh, confidence through Charlize Theron? I love this story. What? Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember this where you you were telling me that Charlize Theron had a, a thing about how she walked? Oh, oh yeah, the murder walk. Yeah, the murder walk. Yeah, it was just some. I, I think it was like an interview with her or something, and she was just saying how, you know, to project confidence, you walk like you could murder anyone. You know, you just look at them disdainfully almost. <laughs> like imagine you're a Hannibal Lecter and you're like you can kill anybody in front of you and you just put your shoulders back boobs out you know head up and just walk and people will notice their body language or something and then move out of your way rather than you constantly dodging and I tried it when I was walking around London because you know it's way more crowded in London than Grand Island yeah. So, um, and it worked. <laughs> I, just, I, I walked like I owned the place, and it it made people like get out of my way, which is I loved. <laughs> you know, but yeah. She 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 just like I don't know. You have to look at the gif. There's there's a gif or a video of it that's that's that explains it way better than I could. But yeah, it the murder walk is the best. It's the that's best. cool. That's cool. All right, so that's my class. Is the first the first uh, chase sequence in Mad Max Fury Road? Nice. Like Who's next? You go, Chad. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Mine is. I said I, I was uh, juggling a couple, and maybe we'll come back and do the other one later. And uh, but uh, I want to talk about uh, the attack on Ajax's ship in Flash Gordon. Ooh. And talk about escalation. <laughs> Dun, 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 exactly dun, 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 dun. You think, just think about that it's like the bait the lure yeah the trap and then apocalyptic bedlam <laughs> all right and uh it's just it's just so great how it just with the soundtrack how it builds 
how it cuts from i wrote it down it's like it goes from flash to the rescue to volton's theme to the battle theme oh okay nice. and it just it is it's so great because like you know to set the scene you know they need to capture the ship to attack mingo city to save dale right and so they send out flash to lure the ajax's rocket ship into the clouds where the hawkmen are waiting to spring their trap and brian bless it god bless him <laughs> In his, his leather thong and his wings, you know, and um, there's thousands upon thousands of Hawkmen up there, and you know, and they're coming, they're falling for it, and then then he calls it, you know, die, they all attack. The music goes completely apeshit bands, <laughs> okay, but it just keeps escalating, mm-hmm. you know, from the music to the action to everything, and it just gets more nuttier and more nuttier and more nuttier, and it gets to the point like. You can't top this. So to cli- to to climax the film, we're just gonna we're just gonna impale Ming on the end of a rocket ship <laughs> because there's no way Flash can fight him and top what just happened. Yeah, yeah. There's no just... way. And so yeah, and I just I just love it. And so like I said, that's I call it. There's like moments of pure cinematic fusion where everything comes together: mm-hmm. visually, sound, acting, action, special effects, everything. And, and that is just that clicks. is like yeah. that is like an apex example of everything coming together. And it's like I got a nerd boner through the whole thing. Yeah. It's like, yes! You know, and just crank the music and just go. And mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I there's, 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 uh, there's like a behind the scenes thing too. And they're talking about Brian Blessed when he's got his little ray gun and he's running around. And he's going, pew, pew, pew. pew, pew, pew I was going to mention pew. that. That's the best. <laughs> no, Brian, we'll add the sound. <laughs> I believe his quote was, I never felt like such a huge git in all my life. <laughs> Love that second wave. Yeah, Something second like that happened wave. with Star Wars too. Someone was doing a lightsaber battle and they kept making the whole. Oh, it was it was um What's that? Uh, Laura Dern from that uh, Rise of Skywalker. She would go pew pew with her thing too, and you can see it in one of the trailers where she's standing and firing, and you can see her saying pew. And it's the best. <laughs> I love her. No, no, we'll put that in later. <laughs> Well, so do you have other other scenes that like do that? You know, well, I, I was can thinking, think of one or two. I was thinking like the last, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, it, I I was just talking about someone with that okay. about that with someone the other day because it starts. I mean, just the point where like from the point where Eastwood shoots shoots the cannon, and Eli Wallach dodges the explosion mm-hmm. and he winds up in the graveyard, and just from and just like that film is perfect from there until the end. And yeah. so it's one of these things that always baffles me how everybody thinks once upon a time in the West is Leone's best Western. It's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's the good, the bad and the ugly. Why? Yeah. Because that lasts 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. Cause you got the whole thing with the ecstasy of gold where, you know, he's running around and that song is just going batshit. Yep. Yep. And then he finally finds it. Art Stanton's grave. Okay. And then it builds from there and it's like, okay. And it's like, they, they kind of butt heads again. It's like, mm-hmm. no, there's those with guns and those who dig. So Eli Wallach's digging. And then Lee Van Cleef shows up. Yep. And it's like, no, and it's like, you're all going to dig. Cause I got the, you're going to dig. And it's like, no, we're not because it's not to the wrong grave. And that, of course, that leads to the, the big showdown in the, in the, in the Arroyo there, you know, <laughs> the three per, yep, yep. And how each cut you get closer mm-hmm. and closer mm-hmm. And closer as the music, as as, as Morricone's music is just slowly escalating along with it, and then uh, you get to every, then you get to the eyeballs, which is Leone's signature thing, and then holy crap, and then it <laughs> explodes. And uh, can, can I can I say a possible unpopular opinion here is okay. that 
second only to the good, the bad, and the ugly. The second best use of the ecstasy of gold ever was in the beginning of Jackass Part 2. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I think that was pretty awesome, too. Yeah. That's me, you know. Uh, so. No, I like that. Oh, the, like I said, that's another one of those cinematic yeah. fusion things where everything just comes together. Like and, Leone was a master yeah. at that. And and I hate to be a basic bitch, but uh, <laughs> the end of Avengers Endgame, like up into from from like the time where the three principals fight Thanos up yeah. until Avengers Assemble, that's pretty perfect. Yeah, that's that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty good. Escalation, music, special effects, yep. acting, the whole deal. Yep. You know. And then it takes some missteps as we get further oh, along. But, yeah, you know, I, it, it's but fine. like for twenty minutes there, it's perfect. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I would say go up to like when Captain Marvel shows up and takes out <laughs> the ship. That's that's yeah. That's all, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. And, uh-huh. and Peter, Peter's running around screaming. <laughs> 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 nice to meet you. Oh my god. <laughs> that's pretty great. <laughs> pretty great. So. Cool. All right, Steph. So what is your what is your feature or your uh, your long class period? about <laughs> well i don't know how long it would be because i don't know how long i can talk about this but i as you know love lord of the rings yes. and the hobbit and all that stuff and i i think i would like to talk for some time with people about the whole scene where Gollum and smeagol talk to each other and you know Ooh. the way that's filmed um in that it from the, it's from the two towers and they're having a conversation he's having a conversation with both sides of his personality yep. now and the way it was filmed it looked like that he was talking to people you know um his pupils dilated and changed i know it's all cgi but um the pupils dilated and changed when he was smeagol and then they got darker and he looked more evil when he was talking as Gollum. and but the camera angle kept changing like it was a conversation between two separate people and i could watch that scene over and over and over and how great mm-hmm. it was and how wonderful Andy Circus is. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's, that's the scene I would. That guy's going to go down as one of the best actors of our generation. Yeah. Oh my he God. Really yeah. 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 I just love him. Even as like, as, as digital actors. I, and and it's funny things. It's like, I think he deserved an Oscar nod for his work in Planet of the Apes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or even too. in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But no, I love that scene. Like I said, it's just so passive aggressive in that scene where they're talking and it's like, He's like browbeating him, and then the other guy's like, "Hey, no, I'm sorry." <laughs> my my favorite bit in that whole bit is when he goes, "You don't have any friends." <laughs> we know, <laughs> but they're my friends. You don't have any friends. <laughs> There's some psychology you could dive in on that too. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that split personality and why Gollum is like that, and was it the ring affecting him, or was it, you know, just psychosis from being under a big mountain in the dark? Or- or guilt because we learned guilt, in the third guilt. one that he murdered a dude. Yeah, yeah that he murdered his friend. Or I think it's kind of, yeah, and that might be the whole metaphor, like guilt just just twisting him up and turning him into something weird, and then yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're eating fish. <laughs> you think maybe that's why the ring turned him evil. If he if he didn't kill somebody and just found the ring and he was by himself, that maybe he'd be Frodo instead of Gollum. No, I don't think so because nice. um, you could see over the course of the time that Bilbo had the ring how it changed him, especially in that freaky scene in Rivendell. <laughs> the ring on Frodo's neck and his he just becomes large Marge looking, you know. And he's like, <laughs> it's really weren't they really weren't paying attention to what Peter Jackson was doing over there in New Zealand, did they? <laughs> no. This is like, I'm going to do stuff. And they're like, okay, Peter. <laughs> Have money. Here's money. Well, that's the best. 
Cool. Well, those are uh, our picks for kind of short and long form classes that we'd like to uh, uh, just kind of explore when it comes to cult cinema. So uh, we'll come back after the guitar more noise and give you some recommendations. But we'd love to hear uh, what you have to say, what you would like to uh, what you would like to teach or have taught uh, in a classroom setting. That would be a lot of fun. So good job, guys. Woohoo! Guitar. Yay! <laughs> You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. I can see the sound of my voice. <laughs> Isn't that Homer? Yeah. You're doing the outer limits. Yes. I can see the sound of my voice. Okay, I, I don't know where the, if this goes anywhere, but on YouTube there is a grouping of random uh, Simpsons quotes by character that run like seven or eight minutes long that Emmeline and I will just cackle over because uh, they're random. So it'll be like the best of Ralph. So it'll be like, <laughs> why do people hate me? And he pees his pants. Ralph, are you eating paste? No, wish you weren't. You know, and, and it just goes and goes and goes. It's it, if you can find them, they're great. This is my sandbox. <laughs> I'm not allowed to play in the deep end. <laughs> so, all right, we're back, <laughs> and it's time for recommendations. What we've been uh, watching, paying attention to, really liking these two weeks, and we should be loaded up, guys, because it's been a while since we podcasted. <laughs> I have lots. I have lots and lots. All right. You can go first. I can go first. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, well, one of the things that I did is I plowed through all, was it six or seven seasons of Mad About You? Wow. Paul Reiser Paul and Helen Reiser Hunt. Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt. And it holds up really well. That's got to be the most randiest couple <laughs> to ever be on TV. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't remember that, sex that, being a big part oh, of that Jesus, show. Oh, Jesus. That's all that show is, huh. is those two bonking. <laughs> and uh but it's really funny because it, it was really good it holds More up like well. mad about screw right, am i right right and there and there was uh but there's like a couple like cringeworthy moments so there was like one episode where they're like it was one of those new york episodes where everything in new york is mean and bad and everything and then at the end there was a stinger where the honorable mayor rudy giuliani comes on <laughs> And says, you know, New York isn't that bad. And it's like, ah, when he showed up, it's like, God in heaven, no. You know, if he had died five years ago, they would have built a I monument think he did. to him. I think he did. <laughs> I'm not sure what that golem is now that's running yeah, around. He would have know. died a hero. Yeah. I, Trumpy got his hooks in him. But anyway. My God. So, so that was fun. And then I tried to watch the the revamp. The, oh, the, yeah. the 30 year later they brought thing. it back yeah, yeah they brought it back and that lasted two episodes oh no because like i said paul riser is slowly morphing into adam arkin or alan arkin <laughs> and so and it's like it's okay and so it's like it is it's, it's not as good as it wasn't and so it's like nope nope i'm out and then also i plowed through the first two seasons of the doom patrol now i i'm about halfway through season one and oh, that's good. oh my god so, okay so i won't spoil anything but it's Everybody good. said it was good, and it's like, holy Jesus! I didn't realize it was going to be that good. They are right. It is that movie. That show is nuts. that gal playing uh, 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 the the crazy, the Mary. Yeah, she is so good. 
how she slips in and out of all those different personalities. And mm-hmm. it's like, holy crap. And like I said, and then, Alan <laughs> Brendan Tudyk's Frazier. in there, Brendan Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> and it's What's like, every other on? word is fuck, yep. and then every other other word is shit. Yeah. And so, <laughs> he is not a happy robot. <laughs> I know. And it's like, because it's one of these things, because, you know, DC screws up so much. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of those uh, uh, characters and franchises and, and the print that I really enjoy and have been endeared to for a long time, from the original Doom Patrol to the 70s yeah. Doom Patrol to the, the to Morrison's Doom Patrol. Can you, can you like, explain it a little? I don't have a clue what it is. Okay, the, the Doom Patrol is, um, I would call it, not necessarily, but they kind of come out at the same time, but it's sort of like DC's version of the X-Men. Um, where oh. and, and it was like one of the first books where it's not Robot Man, it's not Negative Man, it's not Elastic Girl. It's Larry, Cliff, and Rita. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and they're always, they're like fighting these weird ass villains. They're always getting, they're not really good at what they do. They're always like <laughs> Cliff gets destroyed in every adventure and they keep putting it back together. There's a lot of self-loathing in it yep. because they're freaks and they don't fit in and society kind of ostracizes them or whatever. And then in the, in the sixties version, it came to the point where they all sacrificed themselves to save this island of people that they didn't know. So the Doom Patrol died. They sort of came back in the 70s, didn't last very long, and then it came back again in the 80s, and it was sort of a stand-up stand comic hero, super whiz-bang, boom, 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 and then Grant Morrison took over, and then it got really weird yeah, and really esoteric and kind of goofy but kind of interesting and like, what the fuck is going on? And then... The, the TV show does this wonderful thing where it just sort of mushes it all together. <laughs> and I love it. And it's one of these things because, like, Rita Farr does not get enough credit, like, when she first came out as, like, female superheroine. Okay? And I look forward to the point of seeing where Rita is now and getting her to the point where she's turning into, like, a 30-foot giantess and smushing things. You know? So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And so I said, I love it so far, and it's great. Second season is good, too. And so stick with it. It's awesome. Cool. I will. I will. Okay, and then also uh, reading, um, I did a couple Ed Brubaker graphic novels, um, Reckless and The Fade Out, and I think somebody I don't said know it, either of those. somebody said it best is like nobody does noir like Ed Brubaker. Mm-hmm. Ed Brubaker, of course, wrote Captain America there for a while. He brought the Winter Soldier back, brought Bucky back, did the Impossible, brought Bucky back, and didn't make it stupid and lame. And so it is. Just, it's just the, the the first one is just kind of the standard set in the early '80s, surfer guy who, who muscle sort of does the A team takes care of people's problems and then the fade out takes place like in the late 40s hollywood where you got people are hunting for communists the studios are trying to to cover up a murder and the screenwriter's kind of caught in the middle of it and you're not sure at some point it's like jesus i think this guy's the killer you know yeah. so it's what yeah. he says and again like you said it's this point where i'm reading this i have no idea how this is going to end and i love that and yeah. it's just so great and so highly recommended those reckless and the and the fade out and like I said, yeah, you can't go. Brubaker doesn't matter what he writes. That, that dude is really good writer. So there's my Rex for the day. Cool. Steph, what have you been paying attention to? Okay, well, this is going to be weird coming from me, but um, I got, I actually can't tell you how I got into it, but I decided, I think I'm going to try Arrow and watch that. Oh, okay, sure. Um, and I did, and I really liked it. It did. Towards the, I watched, what is it, seven seasons of that. Okay. Uh, it's on Netflix. They're all most of them are on Netflix, and I learned that there are crossover episodes with the other DC shows. 
right? Um, the, the Berlanti that, verse kind of yeah. got nuts there for a little yeah. while. Yeah. And those, because I had not seen Supergirl, The Flash, Justice, or um, Legends. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. 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 I had no idea what the hell was going on in these crossover episodes. <laughs> because like I, one would start on Supergirl and then the second part would be on the Flash and the third part would be on Arrow and I'm like what the what I never what the, they got married? What? <laughs> what the hell? But I really loved the characters on Arrow. I thought it was fabulous. And so when I finished Arrow, I'm like, you know, I want to know what the fuck these crisis yeah we're about so then i started watching the flash and finished that and today i I just finished supergirl there you go (laughs) and when we're done here and i'm done editing and stuff i'm probably gonna go start legends (laughs) because (laughs) that may i could see like the finale of all these crossover episodes i did uh i did that for i watched i love the flash because i got the flash I loved Arrow for like the first, I don't know, I want to say three seasons. Yeah. I'm but that there. fourth season was just like a complete backbreaker yeah. for me. And yeah. it's like, I'm I'm out. I think it's one of these things. It got to the point, you made me hate Felicity. I hate this show now. Uh, Felicity. Yeah. Oh my God. Because when it was her and the Adam were together, yeah. it's like, this yeah. is awesome. But when they tried to make her and all of her a thing, it's like, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, oh, I didn't mind it. But yeah. I'm a girl, so. But I also, as I watch these shows, I'm reading the IMDb trivia for every episode, and okay. so I'm sort of like learning a lot because I honestly don't know much more than surface stuff about the DC sure. universe. You know, um, I know the Flash because Sheldon Cooper on Big Bang Theory is a big fan. You know, and that's about the extent of my knowledge up until I watched the Flash, and then I got it. Yeah. You know, but I've never been. I'm sorry, but I've never been uh into comics and all that stuff um, yeah but well, i feel like i should like do like world, a body but I, thing here. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> but I found so far i found supergirl to be the silliest of the three that i've seen yeah that's kind of why and it gets kind yeah. of confusing and weird and with with the martian manhunter and the aliens and sure lena luther uh, played by an actress i can't stand and <laughs> so, okay. so it's like uh, yeah, well, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of why I appreciated those a little bit because, like, while the the movies were all grim, dark nonsense, it's like they weren't afraid to be silly a little bit. Yeah, so it's like yeah. kind of bright, that. Yeah. bright, silly, fun. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it got real dark. Like, yeah. damn. Yeah. And um, so I think I like the first few seasons of Arrow, the first few seasons of The Flash, and the first couple of seasons of Supergirl. Is what sure, I like and I, it's one of these things too. It's just like with Marvel, like they nailed their casting in those shows too. They I do. Think, yeah. Yeah. They yeah, really do. They really and you see they're going to do uh, Superman and Lois. And I'm all for oh. for Berlanti to do Superman because, God, how long has it been since there's been an optimistic Superman yeah. anywhere? I've and, seen and, a little bit of the Superman from Supergirl. And it's like, oh, well, see, you can do it. And yeah. So, yeah. It's like, yeah, he's not Jesus, for God's sake. Stop that, please. Yeah. Well, the oh. thing of it is, it looks like it's Superman raising a family. Could yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. when the books get really good again is when uh, him and Lois have John. Yeah, and like I said so it's sort of like Mon Pa Ken all over again with yep. Super Son, and it's like this is fantastic. Yeah, and of course they spend really a lot of time on that though. Yeah, so, and and that dude, that dude who plays uh, <laughs> the dude who plays Superman, a is pretty good in the role, and b was in. Uh, did did I ever recommend Palm Springs? Did you guys ever see that one with? No, uh, I didn't, no. It's on Hulu. It's it's Andy Samberg. It can be a high bar, but it's it's uh, a um, Groundhog Day variant where they're stuck in a time loop, and. 
uh, Andy Samberg is at a wedding and he drags another girl oh, into okay. a tunnel and she gets in the time loop too. And she, spoilers, has to wake up every day with the guy who played Superman, who was the guy getting married to his sister. And so she wakes up with like self-loathing every single day. And that's like <laughs> the big reveal to that thing. And it's like, Superman, quit, quit being so mean to her over and over and over again. You know, so anyway. I recommend that show if you haven't seen it, but yeah, the, the Berlanti verse is interesting stuff. And that's a, that's a deep hole you can fall down to. There are yeah. a lot of content. There. Yeah. Yeah, and I said, yeah, I think I, I think I burn out at some point. And it's like, but he said, I really love the flash and I really liked the arrow until I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's about the best way to describe it. I like cool. Cisco on arrow. Yes. Yeah. yeah Cisco's yeah. good. Cool. All right, so um, my recommendation for this podcast, I, I, I'm going to try to try to not gush too much. I've been hounding uh, Chad to watch Ted Lasso. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the concept, <laughs> and the concept sucks. I'm not going to lie. The concept. I watched you, the trailer. It looked intriguing. Yeah, if you had pitched this to me, I'd be like, "Nah, it doesn't sound great." But here's the concept: is it's Jason Sudeikis plays a Kansas football coach who was hired to coach a soccer team in England, in London, right? Okay. Sounds kind of like a snooze. The characters are great, but it is one of those shows that it's hard to describe, but it is so emotionally intelligent and it's funny and it's entertaining and the characters are good. So it's got all like the stuff you need to actually entertain a show, but it's also got this just really hard to describe, just emotionally nourishing quality to it, which is really hard because the whole first season is this family being built. And it's, it, they start off kind of everyone has their own agendas and they're backbiting and they're hating each other and people are petty and mean. And over the course of the season, you get to see these people grow and take care of each other and, and become better people. When was the last time you watched an episode of TV or anything that had an honest to God forgiveness scene in it? Where it's like two smart people coming to each other. One of them said, I have screwed you over and said, I understand you've screwed me over. That really hurts, but I forgive you. That's the ending of every episode of Supergirl so far. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I take your point. But yeah, <laughs> nah, that's, that's something a little different. But I mean, it, it is so I'm, I've been trying to I've been pitching it to people and I try to come up with the line that that like sells it. And the closest I can come up to is Ted Lasso and his his assistant coach, who is like his, his right hand, almost literally like they finish each other's sentences, the whole deal. Uh, one of the mean soccer guys comes in and says, oh, you're a bunch of twats and blah, 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 barks and leaves the, okay. the office. And he turns to his assistant coach and goes, man, he is going to hate it when we win him over. Oh, he's going to be furious. <laughs> and win him over. Okay. And it's the best. Okay. It's, it's so good. I, I want to ask, I said, unless, like I said, unless I don't want to spoil anything, yeah. but what is the logic of bringing an American football coach the, over to play soccer? It, it's a major league thing. And the, you learn this in the first episode. Basically, the woman who owns the soccer club won it in a divorce from her philandering husband, who's played by the guy who played uh, the librarian in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, I can't sure. Think of his yeah, name. Yeah, that, dude. that guy. He's really good yeah, as, as a slime ball, as like a yeah. Rupert Murdoch type slime ball. But basically, she wins the soccer team in a divorce. He loves the soccer team, so she's trying to ruin it. Ah, okay. So kind of like Major League. Yeah, it's kind of like Major League. Okay. And that that's kind of the plot. And you learn that in the first episode. Okay. But then. I, d I just want to talk about it for an hour because like fine. at one point the ted keeps barges into her office and brings her some biscuits and says hey we're gonna have biscuits with the boss every morning she's like no we're not he goes yes we are and he leaves and then comes back next day hey boss here are your biscuits and they start to build a relationship and it's so 
freaking good, and I cried Ernest, like three or four times. Is earnestness a word you're looking for? Ernest, it, almost because honest and earnest. Yeah, honest. Because here's the thing: I hate cloying uh, sentimentality, right? If so there's is, a difference between earnestness and cloying. I right, right, and I hate cloying. I okay. it's like if if someone's trying to get me to feel something like really hard, I hate it. But this is it just seems so organic and there's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe earnestness is a good way to describe okay. it, but it is, it just made me and, and I'm watching it as you know, the, the Capitol building is being destroyed and Gilly. they're trying and they're trying to kill, you know, send or trying to kill lawmakers on television and everyone is just screaming and screaming and screaming. And this was just like this perfect little closet to sit in and go, wait a second. We could all, we could all just be nice to each other. And it's, it's about, like I said, it's, <laughs> it's about a family being formed. And then you get to thinking about like, okay, are people screaming because they don't have that? Like at one point, you know, it's, it's one like, of the big mysteries yeah. of the world right now is why yeah. is everyone so mad? Is it? Yeah. And is it because no one, you, no one has your back or no one's kind to you, or you don't have anyone who you can, who you can confide in or know is going to care about you and all this other stuff. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. You, you can go down a deep rabbit hole there too, but I cannot recommend Ted Lasso enough. And here's the thing. It's on Apple TV. It's the only thing on Apple TV I would ever want to watch. <laughs> All the That's rest of the this... worst of it anymore. It's yeah. like everything's so spread out, and it's like I'm trying hard to share passwords now. Yeah, I'll give you of, my password. You did. It's just kind of just like spreading the love around because it's like I can't. Aff- you can't afford this, you no. know. And so, no. and so, and it's like I've come to the conclusion like some things. It's like, well, I guess I just won't watch that because it's on some platform mm-hmm. that I don't have. Yeah, you totally. know, it doesn't matter how people. Oh, you say this is great. It's like, well. Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of got to throw your hands up. On what, what's the Archer meme? Do you want to promote piracy? Because this is yeah. how you promote piracy. Yeah, yeah, you were talking about like HBO Max. How long are we gonna have? And it's like, well, indefinitely, at least until like we get the next Doom Patrol. Because like, I gotta see how the hell this yeah. ends. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, my own HBO <laughs> Go subscription is proving quite fruitful. I have found many great things on there. Thank you. That I legally pay. That I legally pay monthly for. That's yeah, correct. So, um, cool. Can I have you one more rec? Because I just yeah. remembered something that happened. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, the year of the pandemic. I, as you know, was supposed to go to London to see a play, Uncle Vanya, yeah. um, and I finally got to see it. Hooray! Hooray! Thanks to the internet, I put out on Tumblr that you know I was so disappointed that I was going to go get to see this play, but it got wrecked because of the, you know, plague and yeah. everything. And mm-hmm. I got a reply, a private message from somebody saying. Now, I'm not going to say that the Uncle Vanya, because they, they filmed it and released it in the UK. And she's she's like, I'm not going to say this is at this link and you can download it, but it is. And don't <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So That's I was so finally able to see it. And I was really, really relieved and happy that I at least got to see the play, even though I wasn't in the audience. So Fantastic. Cool. That, that's, it was very good. That's a great closer. So cool. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Atomic Wade Cheese. We would love to hear, uh, again, uh, your thoughts on our topic. Follow us on socials, and we will be back in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. Bye. You've been listening to the Atomic Weight of Cheese, where cult cinema is real life, and real life is frequently cult cinema. You can visit our website at theatomicweightofcheese.com, follow us on Twitter at A-W-O-C podcast, see us on Facebook at facebook.com slash atomicweightofcheese, or shoot us an email at atomicweightofcheese at gmail.com. We love your feedback.
There's your closer. <laughs> that looked great as a sound wave too. Look at the sound wave, Gunner. 